Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Maggie Craddock. She is a former Lipper Award-winning portfolio manager of a flagship fund for Wall Street investment firm, and she's now a certified therapist and executive coach for Fortune 500 CEOs and senior management. She's the author of a brand new book called Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption. And we're here to talk today, not about optometry specifically, but about money. Uh, Welcome. Well, thank you, Marjolyn. I'm delighted to be here. So you talk about the emotional connection that people have with money. Is is that a, a, a learned thing, an innate thing? How, how does that come about? I, I think it's such an important discussion, particularly right now, Marjolyn, because there's a very emotional component to money. Whether we're looking at our family's budget, our investment portfolio, or even the decision we make in the most important investment in our career. And that's what we do with the prime years of our working lives, right? Whether we're working from home, working in an office, or, you know, just working part-time, this is a key investment as well. And on the emotional front, this really starts with people's expectations of themselves around money, right? Uh, how much it represents having security in an insecure world. And that all starts, whether you're on a trading floor, your own kitchen, in the conversations you have with yourself. And for optometrists, Mm -hmm. um, a a big factor is that a a lot of young ODs come out of school with a significant amount of debt. Optometry is a a well-renumerated field, generally, Mm -hmm. Uh, so there, there is opportunity, but um, it's still a daunting task to, you know, be young and um, potentially want to buy into a practice or start your own practice. There's so much financial uncertainty, and I think it contributes to, you know, what we see is, is uh, some, some levels of stress. And, you know, how do you avoid that? I, I think, Marjolyn, that this is so important for the next generation, okay? Because the first thing that we just touched on is that you want to think about, you know, the conversations you have with yourself around how you're going to manage debt, how you're going to invest for the future in terms of things like having one of your aspirations be to buy a practice of your own. I think that's extremely important. I think that this is one of those times We talk a lot about this metaphor of the Titanic in this book, Lifeboat, simply because it's a shift. The reason it's so important for optometrists today is it's a shift from the skills and the way of thinking that worked in the past, which is sort of what we call the big ship mindset, to Mm -hmm. the lifeboat mindset around money, where you're asking some of the same timeless questions Titanic survivors ask, like, you know, how long will this last and how will this change me? right? But also you're in a period where there are more questions than answers. Think of all those lifeboat uh, passengers huddled together in the dark, right? And you need the support of other people. And why I say this for optometrists dealing with debt and thinking about their financial future at a time like this is it's so important at a human level to get perspective, not just on the decisions we're making, but on the emotional clarity of our decision-making process, Marjolyn, if there's one thing I've learned as a portfolio manager is that you're going to make a lot of decisions around money, and it's not any one decision. You'll get them right, you'll get them wrong, 
but we're in an environment where we don't know what's happening and new information's unfolding all the time, it's critical that we have confidence in our decision-making process. And part of that is being able to model for our families and for the next generation what a responsible investment in our own career looks like and those attitudes towards money. It's very, very important. So is there a process? I mean, you know, do you sit down with a piece of paper and have a, mm-hmm. a, a left mm-hmm. column and a right column? I mean, mm-hmm. how, how do you go about well, coming up with this? Yeah. You, you know, in, in, in the book Lifeboat, we literally take people through the Lifeboat process, and this goes right to how people negotiate this dimension of financial uncertainty in their lives. So the first part of it is we really emphasize things that we call sort of navigating your inner iceberg. So you've got behavior on the surface you can see, Mm. the things going on underneath. And some of this goes to an all or nothing uh, tendency around the way that we have expectations around money. Are we over conserving on the one hand and then just, you know, engaging in recreational spending on the other because we can't stand it anymore? Right. Are are we making steady plans around money so that we're carefully investing our uh, finances in terms of being able to invest in our careers, a practice going forward? And also, Marjolyn, this goes to how we invest these important resources of our time and energy, right? Right. Are we Mm -hmm. taking the time to do that? Because all resources aren't monetary. Then the next piece of this process really goes to the people who are on your lifeboat with you. And right now it's way too apt a metaphor when we're working and living in these <laughs> bubbles and working from home, right? You know? mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, you're thinking about your career. And then on the other hand, I tell people, if you really want to look at the conversations you're having with yourself, take a quick look at how you respond to the people closest to you when something happens that's like disruptive in terms of your expectations. Let's say you get a bill you didn't expect. Let's say you're looking at your budget and it makes you uncomfortable and one of your kids interrupts you. You know, are you patient? Are you centered? Do you snap and have to sort of apologize a little bit later? Mm -hmm. That goes to the roots of those conversations you have with yourself. And a lot of us, Marjolyn, learned our ideas about money and the value of it and how we deal with it by witnessing the early caregivers in our family system. Like, did our mom work outside the home? Uh, Was she a full-time homemaker? A little bit of both. And was that dictated by financial necessity or personal choice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, was our father generous with money? Was he happy as a provider? Or did he give with strings attached even if he was relatively well off? All these things go to the heart of what money means to us, even keeping up with siblings or friends we went to college with. We have to see what it really means to us in order to clarify our values around it and keep ourselves emotionally resilient enough to make it through this challenging time when we're seeing norms change all around us. The skills that we've counted on when it's business as usual just aren't the same skills we need to keep our careers on track under pressure. That's basically why we draw from the whole Titanic metaphor, okay? Because everything's changed, right? Right. And so in the past, it might have been easier, I'm not saying this happened, for optometrists to operate the way that many people operate, and that's relatively transactionally in terms of their business. Now, I know we all try to have great rapport with the people in our communities and check in with them. But right now, staying connected with people at a human level is more important than it's ever been. Now, the great news for optometrists is you are a necessity. You are not a luxury. 
I need to see, and we need to see clearly. But this is a time too, when I think about the vital need for this, this product that depending upon when we're open or shut in different states, people need to be sure that their eye exams are up to date, that they have enough contacts if they need them, that they have enough glasses if they need them. All these things need to be on hand, right? Right. And, and so an ongoing series of conversations with your client base in terms of just checking in, how are you doing? Is everyone in your household set, right? Isn't really, if you hit the right tone with it, just a commercial message. It's a caring message. There's some okay. things we all want to make sure our families are able to do. And having your children see clearly, being able to see clearly yourself, making sure that your elderly relatives who are counting on you at this time can see clearly are all very important. So it's more vital than ever to have those conversations. And um, how about as a, um, as a boss? Because many optometrists are, you know, in a, in a position of either being the, the owner or a co-owner or at least kind of a, um, in, in some type of managerial position. So it, it feels like, especially during this COVID period, there was this extra stress of, you know, how are my people doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and this goes to both the bosses and to the young people that we were referring to uh, at the beginning of the call who are the employees, because the thing we talk about at Lifeboat is it's always the relational connectivity between these roles. Mm -hmm. But people all need to remember, too, that as particularly at a time like this, when they're thinking about wealth, that it's not just monetary. If you're running a business, you want to be sure that you're tapping into those priceless resources, right, of motivation, right. of loyalty, even of courage under pressure as you keep a practice going, right? And so you maintain a consistent set of values so that people know that when they're aligned with your organization, those core values are going to be consistently adhered to under pressure and when it's business as usual. The other thing is if you are a young person looking at your career, you need to balance the fact that it's not just your standard of living. It's not just the things we can quantify on a balance sheet. It's your standard of being as well. But when you're looking at your standard of living, you're not just looking at your paycheck. You're looking at your training. You're looking at your continuity. You're, you're looking and you're in the optometry pr uh, profession at your access to a good client base, to the machinery that's necessary, to staying on the cutting edge as the pr profession continues to evolve, right? right? So there's all sorts of nuances of this we have to bear in mind. And we have to be very, very careful about looking at the details, evaluating all the resources, the monetary and the, mon the non-monetary, and just continuing in our practices to take the next steps in the right direction. Because there's one thing about this crisis, as, as overwhelming as COVID and political unrest and how all of this is trickling into what we can say about the economy right now, as, as overwhelming as this may be, what everyone, and particularly everyone in optometry, needs to remember is the demand for your, your service is not a luxury. It's a necessity. The profession will remain. People definitely need to see, and like all crises, this crisis will abate. It doesn't feel like it right now. <laughs> right? right. Because we're going into an election, and every time we turn around, there's been some other dramatic event that has stirred the pot and left us all feeling more anxious rather than less so. 
Mm-hmm. But in actuality, this crisis will abate. And as it abates, you want to make sure that one positive, you know, as we say in life, but one positive row of the oar at a time, one positive step at a time, you are aligning in the present moment, taking the next positive action you can take, maintaining that emotional resilience by asking the right questions and having these clear conversations around yourself, particularly with regard to money, because that is a topic that is so emotionally loaded and so scary that it will capsize our ability to think rationally about our careers. Under normal circumstances, we're, we're logical. We're often pretty strategic. But when money comes on board as a topic, those emotional triggers come in out of nowhere. And before you know it, otherwise pretty balanced people are having very emotional reactions to things and often responding impulsively, as I mentioned earlier, around excessive spending on the one hand and then you know throwing their whole household into an unrealistic budget on the next. We need to stay the course on this because we will come through it. Is this gender related? Are are money um, issues? You know, uh, certainly I, I ask this because there is a um, an, an income gap in mm-hmm. optometry, mm-hmm. and um, you know, as as income gaps go, if you start out at a lower uh, salary or compensation early in your career, it, it's hard to catch up. Um, how, you know, how, what can women do if this is not something in their comfort zone? If, if, if this is such an emotional topic that, you know, you get the offer and you say yes. Oh, that's interesting. Because I deal with a lot of women in a wide variety of professions that need to move outside of their comfort zone to be more assertive in terms of their value and in terms of the compensation that they command under pressure. So income gaps are obviously uh, not new to me, not even in the financial services uh, profession. You know, right. um, And so the thing that one wants to be clear about, now right now I will say that um, I think that there may be some shocking examples along the way, but nobody's getting big bonuses or huge raises in the middle of all of this. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is for all of us, and again, we go into this a little bit in lifeboat around these inner icebergs and the things we have difficulty uh, keeping our thoughts even around. We tend to go into emotional blind spots. Some of us are reflexively great at leaning into conflict. Now, men have been socialized to do this more over time. And we can look at this from a family systems perspective, which is, which is why in all these issues, from money to how we ask about compensation to everything else, I go back to these inner icebergs and what you witnessed play out in the family system and how that normalized your reactions, particularly under pressure. Because as we know, when it's business as usual, we're pretty logical. But in these lifeboat conditions, when we're terrified and we have more questions, we're going to go to these emotional blind spots, right? So we're either going to feel frightened and not speak our truth around, you know, what we're worth or what we really feel is fair value for our services. And we may cave around a conversation like this. Other people may make a mistake airing the other way. They may be overly aggressive in an interview or a a compensation conversation and miss out on what would otherwise be a wonderful opportunity. That's why getting to the roots of how these emotions under pressure can capsize us and why this is a new skill we need to learn that wasn't quite as vital 
when it was a little bit more of an even keel for us because we're prone to operate in the extremes. Now let's take your specific example of someone who's facing a wage gap. They're going to want to have a conversation about their long-term value. They're going to want to go threading into your earlier question, Marjolyn, about you know bosses and what they're looking for and how we have that connectivity. They're going to want to talk about their ability to help build a practice, their ability to help connect with the client base, their ability to help uh, maintain a rapport within the optometry uh, office that has a culture that's positive, that retains people, that keeps people optimistic and looking for the right kind of solution, even in difficult times as we pull through this period. So they're selling a lot of things. They're selling their emotional resilience, their conflict mediation ability, even their ability sometimes under pressure to be a sounding board for, you know, people who own these practices who may not always operate from their better angels under pressure, right? Being a sounding board for them and helping them put things into perspective in terms of how they all pull together. So there's a lot going on. And I think if somebody lowballs you in terms of your salary, you can come right back and, and, and stay align your thoughts and your feelings and your intentions in the present when you come back from this in a powerful way without be, having to be overly assertive or even mention a wage gap, which for some people, although it's real, that's not always mentioning it explicitly, isn't always a strong debating point. Sometimes knowing it and speaking to it with our confidence, our body language, and possibly a little less directly, I think of indirect British humor without ignoring it, goes to our ability to be able to address it more effectively. So I'm not sure your strongest play is to say, well, as you know, there's a wage gap. Then you, you could be inadvertently criticizing someone if you just say, sure, consider yep. my long-term value and all of the dimensions of this and what feels right for me in terms of balancing my responsibilities to you and what I need to do to provide for my family, I'm kind of coming out in this range. And I, I, I value this opportunity. I know that I can help your practice thrive. I hope you can meet me close to my number because I really want to work with you. Excellent. You see? Maggie Craddock, thank you so much for being with Women in Optometry, our WO Voices podcast, uh, talking about uh, the emotional connection we have to money and this this lifeboat concept. Your book comes out in August 4th. And it's called Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption. Uh, the most presciently written <laughs> story for our time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marjolaine. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.